You're listening to the Flip Houses Like a Girl podcast, where we educate, empower, and celebrate everyday women who are facing their fears, juggling family and business, embracing their awesomeness, and wholeheartedly chasing their dream of flipping houses. Each episode delivers honest-to-goodness tools, tips, and strategies you can implement today to get closer to your first or next successful house flip. Here's your spiky-haired, breakfast taco-loving host, house-flipping coach, Debbie DeBeery. Hey there. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I'm excited to share this interview with you of two students here in the Austin area who recently completed and sold their first flip for a massive profit. Definitely record setting for sure. And they're really good people. And they did a really quality renovation on this property. They didn't leave things undone. They went above and beyond. They created a safe, beautiful space for a new family to enjoy. And this by far was not an easy project, okay? So many things came up, including a raccoon family, more like a raccoon infestation, all right? So basically raccoons squatted in the house, okay? And that's just one thing they had to deal with. They dealt with so many hurdles. They had so many problems come up and they just kept solving them. That's all you can do. And a lot of people get so hung up in, well, what if I choose the wrong answer? What if I choose the wrong solution? Then guess what? You just choose again. You're not committed to that solution. If you choose one route and that doesn't work, change routes, right? Change solutions. It's not all set in stone. It is fluid. It's one of the things I love about this business. All right, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Emily and Jean. A little bit about you, obviously where you guys are, uh, but maybe a little bit of your background. Sure. Well, I'm Emily. This is my wife, Jean, and we live in Austin, Texas, and we have been part of this flipping program for the past year. Um, I'm originally from Western New York, but moved out to Texas to join AmeriCorps after college and Planned to only be here for one year in Austin, ended up just kind of staying here forever. (laughs) I've been here ever since. Um, I work in the nonprofit sector. I still work for basically the AmeriCorps kind of network. Um, So kind of community service and nonprofit work is really important to me. Um, And that was something that, you know, really drew me to this program too, was like, it wasn't just exploiting people to make money. It was about community building as well. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. We live in Austin with our five dogs, um, in South Austin. Hmm. And Jean? Me, I'm going to make mine much quicker and shorter, but I'm just finished teaching. I've taught 26 years. Um, super excited about that to retire and on to the next chapter. Have you been in Austin the whole, the whole time or where are you from? From New Mexico. And I spent eight years teaching in New Mexico and then I and I went to New Orleans and then I came over to Austin taught 16 years nonprofit background teaching background and y'all decide let's flip a house 
how did that come about that desire? We've just always been interested in like home renovations. Like our relationship basically started actually with helping a friend renovate her house. So I actually met Jean tearing up flooring at our friend's house and it was like love at sight. Um, I love it. I love it. And yeah, I think we were both like just, you know, liked being with somebody who wanted to do things, be hands-on. Um, I'm definitely more the like bookish one and Jean's much more handy than, than me, but we both like, I think have a desire to do that. And we've had my house as a rental for like the past 10 years and have kind of slowly been flipping it a little bit here, a little bit there, kind of making improvements as we go. And um, so I feel like we've learned some along the way. We knew enough to be dangerous. We didn't really know what flipping entails, but we wanted to take it to the next level. And we'd been hearing about you for so many years from our mutual friend, Kelly. And, um, you know, and, and she kept saying, you know, oh, my friend Debbie flips houses. And we'd always say, man, we really need to take her out for coffee and figure mm-hmm. out what she does. And then finally, one day, Kelly said, well, she has a program. And we said, what? Mm-hmm. Why haven't you told us about this? <laughs> and as soon as she told us you had a program, you know, we found you online. We started reading about it. And we thought this is exactly what we want to do. And the timing was perfect because both of us, you know, with Jean retiring, we've been planning towards that retirement for the past like seven years. Um, As soon as we like had taken a trip to Costa Rica and realized, wow, we really want the flexibility to be able to go anywhere and travel and and have this kind of different lifestyle. Um, You know, it seemed like this great way to earn some supplemental income in preparation for Jean's retirement and, um, you know, potentially for me to leave, you know, nine to five work eventually myself too. So it just really appealed to us and we just jumped right in and joined your program. I love that. That's how y'all met. That's so random. I love it. I love it. Obviously you guys just finished your first flip and sold it. Let's go through the process of, you know, everybody wants to hear the numbers. Everybody wants to know all the details. So let's go through the process of how did you find the deal? Let's, let's start there. How did you find this one? Yeah, it's pretty boring because we found it on the MLS. We found it on Redfin. And I had seen it at one point and like favorited it. And then Jean brought it back to my attention and said, you know, maybe we should go see this one. Um, We had bid on six houses up until that point, all on the MLS and not gotten any of them. And, um, and this one just looked cute. It had curb appeal. It actually didn't look that bad on the outside. Um, It's really when you got inside (laughs) that you realized how bad it really was. Um, the pictures did not do it justice to how horrible it really was. Um, and so it had gone under contract actually. So it had come up, gone off the market and, and it fell through. So it came back on. And as soon as it did, we got into tour, we, you know, pretty much jumped right on it, um, and made an offer quickly. Um, so we bought it through Redfin just on the MLS. That's amazing. Okay. Had it been on the market for a while or no? Well, it had been for like a month, but it was, it had gotten, you know, snatched up by another investor. And then I guess they declined or something fell through. I don't, I think the septic system is what threw them off, um, is my guess. Yeah. Knowing like the surprises they didn't like <laughs> once they yeah. figured out how much a new septic system costs. Right. Um, so, <laughs> and then, you know, here come along the new investors who are more <laughs> willing to take a risk. And, right. You would have, you know, we were willing to just make $25,000 if that was, you know, all we could make, we were right. going to be happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but there's so much learning in the doing, like you have, you just have to go do it's part of it. And if you make 
a great profit. Awesome. If you make right. a little bit, you know, most people like the whole, right. The whole goal of the first one is to just do it in a way that makes you want to do it again, whatever that looks like to you. And most of the time it's, you know, if we don't like lose our pants on this, I'm going to feel pretty good about, you know, trying it again. <laughs> yeah. I remember filling out, you know, the, our spreadsheet of numbers and pitching it to our hard money lender and him saying, you're really not going to make that much on this deal. You know, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yes, yeah, we want to do it. 20,000. Fine. We're, we're good with that. You know, we, we don't need to be too uh, greedy. I think we just wanted one that we could just start learning more. Right. Where it's like, okay, as long as we can make a little bit of money, right. we'll be okay with our first one Yep. to see if we, and so our expectations were pretty low at the beginning of what we, what our profit would be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Given what it was. Yes. They were low. Right. Um, okay. So you found it on the MLS. Amazing. Made an offer, got accepted. That's crazy. Um, what was the purchase price? Well, this is the even crazier part. We got it for 15,000 less than it was offered for. <laughs> um, yeah, it was offered at 235. We we put in an offer for 220 and we got it at 220. But, you know, pretty much no contingencies and, and all of that cash offer through our hard money lender. So uh, and it was owned by a real estate agent who was also basically a wholesaler. So he was basically wholesaling his own property. Gotcha. Um, it had been owned by a family that the the father had lived there alone, I guess, in his old age and had finally passed away in a nursing home. And, and the house had been vacant for quite some time. And the family, I think, just didn't probably know what to do with it. So this real estate agent had snatched it up and basically wholesaled it to us and I think made quite a bit of money on it himself as well. Bought it for two twenty. Initially, what was your renovation budget? Well, in the original spreadsheet, you know, we put in a budget of one hundred and one thousand. Okay, that was that was the target one hundred and one. That's a pretty hardy budget. It is a very hardy budget. Um, but you would think everything <laughs> we put. We aren't very good. We realized it's sticking to a budget. Um, <laughs> But also there were a lot of surprises right. that I guess we just didn't realize how much we were getting into and how long it would take. So uh, in the end, the renovations ended up being around 155. Okay. So a lot more than the original, 54,000 more. For financing, did you finance the renovations as well as the purchase? We did. Um, we used a, We did have some money though from our home equity line of credit. Okay. on our house um, that basically helped us put down the down payment and funded some of, you know, cre- created some of the cash flow for like renovations and paying contractors. Um, but the loan was from a hard money lender. Um, and then we ended up, because we went over budget, we really had to finance it from personal savings and from like personal credit cards to cover that $54,000 in overage. I have never put so many things on the credit card in my life. It was a little scary, yeah. to be honest. Uh-huh. No, that's very um, scary. <laughs> we're going to get lots of, you know, airline miles. So that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So, and all right. And then initially, what was your renovation timeline? We thought, you know about four months from start to finish with um, contracting and all of that. So we thought, you know, three months to renovate, one month to sell and close. Um, We knew things were selling fast in Austin. So we weren't really that worried about that part. We thought that would go fast. So we thought four months, uh, it really turned into a full six month project, but that includes 
closing. That's not bad at all. For some reason, I was thinking it was longer. I think like just the last 16 months have been so weird or 14 months, 15, 18 months. I don't even know where we are in this year. It's been such a weird like time warp where it's, it all feels really fast. And then it also feels really slow. It's such a weird time. Yeah. Agreed. No, it was only six months and our hard money loan was only six months. So, I mean, we used up every, I think we had one, we had seven days left maybe. In our oh God, that's scary. Off. <laughs> I didn't realize y'all had a six month loan. That's scary. That's scary. I remember some contractor issues. Yes. So you didn't finish with the same contract you started with. Is that right? Or did they, he end up pulling through? No, no, we did have, we basically dealt with some contractor fraud and theft, essentially um, a contractor operating in bad faith who really, first of all, underbid the project. I think, you know, we, we really had a good rapport with him. We liked him personally. We had him bid some things on our own personal home before we wanted to give him business. Um, Unfortunately, he, I'm not exactly sure really what the issue was. I don't know if he intended to scam us. I don't know if he just underbid and then kind of got himself in a corner and knew he couldn't really come, come through with the amount. He also just had a lot of issues, I think, with his crew and not paying them on time. So they were unreliable. And then he had a family member die of COVID. So he was just like MIA for a while. So, you know, it just became one thing after another. And he put us back about six weeks of us just waiting for him to show up on site and do stuff um, with just like no, very little to no communication. And unfortunately, we made, you know, the rookie mistake of paying him a down payment up front. You know, theoretically, he was supposed to be ordering materials with that money. Right. No materials were ever ordered. Um, He did finish one thing, which was he did have a couple guys do demo. So we did demo with him and that was it, but he still owes us money. And unfortunately, you know, there might still be a small claims court case in our future. Um, But we just haven't really been able to focus on that. We needed to just move on and get things done and find another contractor. So you said there were about six weeks where you guys were kind of like, you did some demo, but it was a little bit idle. That's such a scary feeling. Yeah, Yeah, that was. That was nothing the scary is moment. happening nothing yeah. please right. just show up <laughs> right do something do anything do anything yeah yeah okay. i think that was one of my favorite parts when somebody showed up and actually started doing something i was like whoa okay you found a replacement and that went okay generally yeah i mean i think there are things that could go better. I don't know if we'll use that contractor again, but you know, they got this second contractor, they got us through the end. Um, we ended up finding him basically on Facebook, kind of posting, you know, our scope of work and saying, here's our timeline, you know, come give, who wants to give us bids, got a zillion responses, basically set aside an entire weekend to just interview contractors. Um, so literally we fired the first contractor on a Friday we started interviewing the next contractors on the Saturday. Awesome. And we started like next Tuesday, basically like with somebody else. Um, so we moved pretty fast at that point. We were ready to get going. And um, we probably interviewed like 10 contractors that weekend and just showed them the house and went back to back to back with our questions and um, got a lot of, you know, good leads. How did you choose this one? What made him stand out? He seemed hungry for the work, you know, where you, somebody kind of keeps coming back and checking in with you and they really, he was willing to be negotiable. His first bid had come in way too high and I think he knew it. So he checked back in with me and I said, yeah, we have another bid that's, you know, 
like so much lower for labor. Can you match that? And he couldn't, he, he came pretty close to matching it, but because he was, you know, hungry for the work and he actually ended up having to, he graduated from the high school Gene teaches at um, years ago. So we were like, Oh, a student, you know, we want to support yeah. his new <laughs> business. We really want to support him. Um, and he lived locally, which we really liked. I, I think if there's one thing I've learned about contractors, find somebody local, find somebody who lives nearby where it's going to be convenient for them to stop by. Uh, it's not far for them. If they forget something to go get stuff, they know the area, they know the shops to go to, they know where the local Home Depot is. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we talked about the budget and the, well, what were some of the surprises? The septic ended up being a surprise. Well, I mean, the septic was, we knew we had a septic, right? But there's way different prices and levels of septic tanks, right? So it ended up, I think, costing us like 25 grand. Oh, 20, yeah. 20. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, and and then the septic, you know, they you wait two months for you to them to approve your plan and then to get your permit, right? And then they show up one day and put the thing in and it's nowhere where it was supposed to be on the plan. And you're like, wait, well, wasn't it supposed to be over here? And they're like, well, no, nah, this is better. Well, I mean, they put it like where we didn't want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They so, put it where the deck was supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you serious? I didn't know this. Yeah. Oh and so God. we, um, you know, and they convinced me, you know, I'm trusting the expert that this is the right. best place for it and blah, 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 blah. And so I, I let it not. I let it be because it's a lot to move, right? It's like a huge right. hole. And, a, and um, but I wish that we would have like made them move that according to plan. Okay. And then the plan, I was like, how can they take two months in the septic? The woman that was with the company with the septic tank, she's um, she says, Oh, don't worry. I'll talk. I'll talk to him. And you're like, how can you just talk to him when I waited two months for them to approve this plan? It was horrible, but we got through that too. Well, I think the other surprise with the septic was I did not realize how many types of septic systems there are. We knew it needed a septic, but we didn't know it needed an aerobic septic system that is required by the county for this particular neighborhood and area because it's near, I guess, the soil. It's like the water level or something. Yeah. You have to be like extra careful about pollution and contamination and things like that. Um, so aerobic septic systems, they cost twice as much about as a regular septic system. And they're very complicated. I think you saw the photos I had posted of like yes. the purple tubing that yeah. goes through. I mean, it's like a whole irrigation system. Um, and it's just really complex. There's motors and you need a separate power outlet. And it, there's a lot more that goes into an aerobic septic. So not that was a big tank surprise. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no. That's it's like, what, that was what was there. It's your own wastewater <laughs> treatment system. You have your own wastewater treatment system. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so that was a surprise. I think the other surprise, um, as I mentioned, demo was done by the first contractor um, and it was really great when we showed up and saw, oh my gosh, somebody is here working. And but they were tearing out all the sheetrock, which we had originally said, you know, take out sheetrock as needed. They tore it all out. And oh. once they tore the sheetrock out, <laughs> once they tore that out, we saw the insulation and how bad the insulation was. Oh. The insulation was moldy, wet, had raccoon and oh, rat urine no. in it. 
so basically demo went from like normal demo to like mega demo and that also affected our budget i'm sure is like having to replace all sheetrock and insulation and basically take it down to the studs which we weren't planning to take it yeah no that's not that is not a good surprise that's not (laughs) (laughs) we were happy they were doing demo just not that kind of demo and and i even put big red x's on the walls i wanted them to demo and This is why communication with your contractor really, really matters. Right, (laughs) right. Over-communicate. Even though it sounds like you're just repeating yourself, do it. (laughs) There were more surprises too. I mean, the winter storm in February here in Texas was, that delayed us another two weeks just because for one week, nobody was working. I think we got our window delivery the day the storm was basically starting and they didn't even want to deliver the windows. We had to beg them to deliver the windows the house was wide open. There were no walls at the time. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we did have a new roof. Um, but basically, no, our cheesing on mm, barely, yeah. barely. We had opened up all the framing, so we had a wide open house during that ice storm. And um, and then contractors were so busy after that. You know, it's hard to get them to show back up quickly. Plumbers were busy for oh, weeks. Yeah. yeah, it was an ordeal. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, you didn't have like major plumbing issues after that. Or did you have? We had just had the plumber there right before that, but he was adding new plumbing and stuff. So I'm just like, Phew, it survived freeze. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause there was no water in it, luckily, no water in the pipes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> wow. You all had a lot. Okay. Uh, what were any other surprises? I think just the cost of materials, you know, everything's been getting more and more expensive lumber, et cetera. Yeah. It's going down now, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was more expensive, especially when you didn't plan on doing as much as you ended up having to do. Um, all right. So that's, I'm glad there aren't any more surprises. I'm not sure what more there could have been. The raccoons. We didn't talk about the raccoons. Oh, wait, what? Well, I think once we were started getting bids, we had the HVAC contractor come in and, you know, look at the HVAC and they quickly realized this is a raccoon house. That's why it's in such bad condition because it had been vacant for so many years that all the ducts were completely torn up by raccoon (laughs) claws. Oh my and God, there were no ducts basically left. So it wasn't just putting in like a compressor for the air conditioner. I mean, it was the entire system plus the ductwork <laughs> and, you know, sealing up everything so that raccoons could never get back in there. Um, I mean, there were holes the size of, you know, my torso where raccoons had been getting in and just the smell of, you know, years of raccoon <laughs> family living in there. Um, so yeah, yeah, we pretty much did <laughs> face a lot of surprises. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> okay. But it looks so cute on the outside. <laughs> and but that's what happens when you leave a house vacant. Like so like it just like it literally just like starts falling apart. Like in right. raccoons move in and it becomes a raccoon raccoon squat and now the raccoons own the house. All right. So at this point are you like holy crap, like we're going to lose our pants on this? Or what are you thinking? Or are you watching houses? Like, tell me what you're thinking as all of these things keep coming up. Yeah, panic, panic, more panic. Right. <laughs> it was a lot of panic. And and then hope when you're seeing the market go up as well. You know, you're like, okay, because our original comps in that 
neighborhood what we thought we could sell it for for the beginning were nowhere near what we sold it for yeah so it it just had that was our hope you know what I mean it was like at one point I mean we looked at each other and I think Jean said you know should we just sell this house and get rid of it <laughs> like is it time to just cut our losses basically yeah. <laughs> seriously Before didn't think about it. and then I mean um yeah that was and then the plan B was like, well, maybe we're going to have to buy it. You know yeah. what I mean? Before I've I- had that as a plan B. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Like, I can totally feel what y'all were feeling. Seeing, okay, things are things are going as, as slow or as fast as they're going, right? We can't do anything else to impact the speed. We're doing everything we can. Um more surprises keep coming up and you almost reach the point of, dude, let's just sell it. Like, let's just get rid of it. What made you stick with it? Was it looking at the comps and seeing the comps or was it just y'all being like, no, we're doing this. What made you get like, stick with it? I, I think it was, we, we got to finish the project. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we got to finish this out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the comps were helpful. I mean, as it went, but in the early stages, when I had my first doubts, that's when I was, that's when I had my most doubts before yeah. things started, you know, you're like when nobody's showing up and yeah. Yeah. And every, like all that piling on at the beginning and you don't really like your comps are the comps you already looked at. So it's like right. at the beginning, you don't have any more. Right. That. Okay. I think it was finding the contractor, you know, like once, once things started happening and you could see it happening and you could see the siding going on and these nice changes happening, we both, I think, felt really relieved and really excited. And it yeah. was just so fulfilling. I remember to see the siding in the roof. I said, I will never, I've never seen a more beautiful roof in my life. It's the most beautiful <laughs> thing that I've ever purchased. It's my favorite roof. It was like everything that got put on. I was like, this is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> um, because, it, and it just it got us momentum, I think, again, yeah. finding yes. that contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. All right. So initially when you were running numbers, what was your initial ARV? 400,000. Okay. Yep. So you bought it. For I keep forgetting 220. 220, yeah. 101-ish is what you're thinking for repairs. 400. All right, cool. And then everything starts inching up. Maybe footing up is, is a better analogy. Your your uh renovation budget starts going up. And you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. All right. You've dealt with all of these contractor issues. You've dealt with not just surprises, but like expensive surprises. The septic system was ended up being what? 20 or so. It, it makes me that feeling in my stomach. It's the same I get when I have to like replace the drain lines underneath the foundation I just lifted because nobody sees that stuff, right? It's like, let me spend 20 grand on something we're all going to see. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can do a lot with 20,000. <laughs> It hurts. Yeah. (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay. So lots of surprises, lots of hurdles. And then you go to put it on the market. 
which was what month? I guess it was May. Yeah. Okay. So you listed it in May and what did you come on the market at? Well, we had a hard time deciding. Um, We decided with, you know, consulting with you and looking at local comps to try to stay under the 450 range Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, in search engines, people search in increments of 50,000. So we came on the market at 449. Okay. Um, But we knew that that would just barely get us like past break even basically at that point. (laughs) So we were a little nervous to go on the market that low, even though it was higher than the original ARV. We were just like really nervous um, that that would be what it would sell for, would be the asking price. Yep. So first weekend, did you get an offer the first weekend? We did. We got an offer for the asking price the first weekend, 449. Okay. And then did you accept it? No, we did okay. not. We decided to set a deadline. We waited till kind of another offer had come in. And then as soon as you had multiple offers, we worked with our listing spark agent to negotiate and um, put a deadline on. So I think we gave people three or four days to, you know, bid on the property. Um, and also the first offer, they wanted a pool that wasn't going to work. So that one ended up kind of falling through anyway. Oh gosh. But um, yeah, within the first week we had 12 offers. <laughs> about half of which were over $500,000. Okay. So um, what were you thinking? <laughs> what were thinking? <laughs> we were relieved. Uh-huh. We, I was relieved. Jean was relieved. And I was so happy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So did you... I feel like you went under contract with one and then ended up with another. Is that right? Yeah, there was, there was another surprise in store for us with the buyer situation. (laughs) Um, No, we, so we did go under contract with a buyer that wasn't the highest offer, but had more cash. So it made us a little bit um, more comfortable in terms of the appraisal process. Yep. So we went with them. Unfortunately, that, buyer did not work out. They were very, very picky. They found issues with everything. They had a realtor who was really incendiary about things, um, kind of blew things up. And and, and basically the final straw was that they insulted us. And they said that there was some, there was this minor issue that we had already fixed with the plumbing. Um, We had given them the report from the plumber. We used their plumber to fix it. And they still basically came back and said, now we're questioning the quality of your work. And at that point, after all the blood, sweat, and tears we had poured into this property and treated it like our own and wow. done, used all the things we would have used in our own house. Yeah. And to have be told that, we basically just said, sorry, like they, they were going to make a lower offer. They had canceled their original offer. We're going to come back with a lower offer. We said, no, thanks. Oh, God. Um, and we went with our original gut, which was to go with the highest offer. Really they great. They wrote us a nice letter, those yeah. people. Which, I mean, I wanted to go with them from the beginning. And then it was just. Um, we didn't, but, but it was a risk because they had right. less cash. Right. Right. You just don't know. You just don't know. Okay. So you come back on the market or did you come back on the market or did you just go to another buyer? We just went straight back to the, the highest bidder and said, are you still interested? And they said, absolutely. We want the house. It was their dream house. It was a couple that was buying their first home together, even though they were a little older, more professional. 
folks um, going to have a baby and like kind of starting this new chapter in their lives and they really wanted to be there. Um, and they, that they and their agent were great to work with. Like they, they had some, you know, things they wanted fixed, but they were all reasonable and very doable. And we were happy to do them. We even threw in a little housewarming gift of a homemade cedar bench that Jean had made that they loved and wanted to keep. Um, well, they wanted to buy it <laughs> and we gave it to them. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's a gift. Awesome. Um, that's awesome. I love that. So it was that. a lovely process in the end. So I love well. that. How long were you off the market? or under contract with the other buyer before that one terminated, the first buyer? Lost about a week to that. Okay. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then to like cross your fingers and hope that the other people buyers are still available. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Oh, geez. Y'all are stressing me out with this entire deal. <laughs> I know. I was stressed out. squirming in my seat. <laughs> okay. I was stressed out. <laughs> All right. So you went on at 449. What did you end up? selling for? Well, the grand total, the final offer was $560,000. So 110 over asking, which we were very, very happy with um, because we knew the 449 was not going to get us where we wanted to be. Right. That's amazing. Um, (laughs) It's such a beautiful house y'all created. Who did the designs? Like who chose the finishes? We both did. Yeah. Y'all both enjoy that part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a ride. I mean, to go from the beginning of six weeks of not much happening and feeling like, ma'am, let's just cut our losses and bounce to selling for considerably over asking and a profit of what was your final profit? It was a little over $130,000. So a pretty transformational amount for us <laughs> and for anybody. For anybody. I, know. I mean, just wow. I mean, it, that just, <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, a good way to start. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And yeah, I just, I love it because there was so much adversity. Like there was so much that came up and like to have that as the finale, like just, just awesome. Congratulations to you. It's amazing. It's amazing. The house is so cute. Like it is, it's so cute. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful space. It was hard to let it go, to be honest. I bet. (laughs) I I grew to love it, actually. We don't have farmhouses here. Like, (laughs) right? So to see like this really cool farmhouse, like it's such a unique property. The middle of Utah. Right, city of Hayes, technically. City of Hayes. Population like 1,000. No, 228. Oh, (laughs) Jean became good friends with the city of Hayes. She she bonded with, because there's only one person who works there in the whole city government. And she runs, you know, the permit. She had to call the plumbing inspector for us. She She knows everyone and everything. And it was incredible. It was a great community to be in. That was my favorite part, I think, about the whole entire flip was meeting the community. And like the next door neighbor, you know, I was the most amazing gardener, this elderly lady from Korea that, and she would, it would bring me cookies over and give me, you know, cucumber, whatever. 
I love that. And she didn't speak one bit of English and I didn't speak one bit of Korean. We had each other. There was a 90-year-old across the street who would come over and he, he called himself the supervisor. He would come over to check on the crew and make sure everyone was working while we weren't there. Um, we did not invite him, but he, he showed up frequently. Um, and then whenever his family would be over on the weekends, they would all come over and walk through the house and look at things apparently oh wow yeah. that's a great was. community you know like i really it, it was awesome out there it was peaceful what was your favorite part emily oh there's a lot of things yeah um, i know it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint it i think what was most satisfying to me is you know i work a remote job um over a computer, I'm on Zoom all day. It's hard to see things happen. And it was so exciting to see tangible progress and tangible things that I had had a hand in creating come to fruition. Yep. And I am totally addicted. Like I, I love the action. I love getting things done. I think I also really like the problem solving. Like it just felt very empowering to realize no matter what obstacle you come up against, there is a solution. It may not be perfect, but you will find a solution. And I realized like, I just gained so much confidence through that process. That's awesome. Realizing I could troubleshoot any of this. Exactly. That's key. I don't really know construction and I'm not handy, but I can figure it out. Exactly. Honestly, that is the thing. That is the one thing if... If I could instill in every single person who wanted to do whatever it is they wanted to go do, is that self-trust? Like that's, that's it. But if you don't have that self-trust of I'll be okay, <laughs> like yeah, I'll be okay. Even though I have to go through some really hard things and it's not always fun and it's not always um, easy, but I'll be okay. Like it's hard. That's, that's like the number one thing right there is that self-trust. So I love hearing that. I feel like surviving this, we can do anything. Like we really can do anything. Right. Because we both did it when we had full-time jobs too. Demanding jobs. Right. So, okay. When it comes to things that maybe like limiting beliefs that you had or things that maybe you thought about yourself, like is there something or are there things that changed in you? Like initially you thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at this or, you know, I'm not good at whatever it is. Like my, one of mine was, I'm not good at design. Well, I'm actually really good at it, but I just didn't know. I didn't have any, I didn't have, I didn't do any of that before. So that was definitely one of mine. Did you have any like limiting beliefs going into this that were kind of shattered or at least shifted in some way. Yeah. You know, hearing you say that, it makes me realize actually what I think I learned is I always think, well, I'm not good at math. I'm really good at math. I killed it on the math. <laughs> like I feel like I had backup plans and I mean, I, I, we made mistakes for sure. We made lots of mistakes. We should have had more buffer, all of that. All of that is true. We went over budget, but we kept an eye on it the whole time and adjusted the math and, and, you know, we looked at the math. And I feel really empowered by that. That's huge. That's what I, I didn't look at the number. I didn't look at the bank. I didn't look at the statements. Like I couldn't, <laughs> right? I was to the point. It was like, I, I would just trusted that she would. And sometimes I didn't trust. She was telling me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think jeans was financial, you know, like yeah, having a lot of financial doubt that there's no way we could make this amount of money. We don't deserve this amount. Like we're, our work doesn't, isn't, we're not going to be rewarded with this amount of money that it seems too good to be true. Um, yeah, that was, that's a huge one because we had just with everything planned to retire and we were kind of financially stable. We had everything kind of, in motion and then it was just like whoa all those things we went back in debt with our right. and it was like ah that so one's that huge was, for sure yeah, yeah that one's but, huge um, now like we have a little backup right so we have to do our next one we don't have to use like go into debt right <laughs> right yeah that's scary that's scary but that's that's a big one for sure i don't deserve that kind of windfall we like won the lottery, basically. I mean, let's be honest. If you had a lottery ticket with that amount of money, you'd be thrilled. Yeah. yeah, those are two really big ones for sure. Is there anything else that you guys want to share? I'm trying to be mindful of time. I didn't realize I was that chatty. Anything else y'all want to share before we wrap up the call? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things we would do differently um, that we hope to do differently next time. I think we learned to pay for expertise when you need it, you know, like cutting corners on things like plumbing and electricity that came back to bite us, you know, in inspection where we had to get things fixed, you know, our key contractor didn't really have that expertise and thought he did (laughs) perhaps. Got it. So I think not being too cheap on those things, you really need the help with, um, you know, I think not rushing all the mistakes we made Mm. were either made out of financial fear or rushing. Mm. I've realized like, and I fell into that trap again and again, you know, feeling like we just needed to get it done. Sometimes I problem solve too quickly. Mm. Um, and sometimes you need to step back and not rush things. Um, Dang that hits home. Okay. (laughs) Rushing financial fear. Those are the two big ones for me. And then I think just like worrying less and enjoying it more. Like we did not do a great job of self-care during this process. We were both working (laughs) full time. All weekends were spent basically on the flip, all evenings. We need to eat, sleep, exercise, cook, yeah. Take care of like daily needs. Um, I need to like never eat Taco Bell again. I feel like I live <laughs> off Taco Bell for like, <laughs> it's like the only vegetarian thing I could eat in the area. I feel like I need to cook for myself again and so relax, Yeah, you know, and, and hopefully we will be, do- be doing that more with Jean retiring. And my big news is that because of this amazing program and windfall, I have decided to leave nine to five work and flip another house with Jean this fall. <laughs> so my last day of like W2 employment is October 1st. That's amazing. I feel like, or I wonder, you know, couples always process things differently. Jean, does that scare you at all that she's leaving? It kind of does. Yeah. Because, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. 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 For sure. A teacher's retirement is not going to support two people, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, not here in this country. So right. that's plan B if right. we're going to Mexico or Costa yeah. Rica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I've done the math and I feel really good about it. You know, I've and done the our math. Plan there I've done go. the math. I mean, I love it. Our plan is to flip one to two houses a year, basically, and keep it simple and enjoy it. Yep. That's, that's what I want to do. I am all about the keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it lean. Yeah. And that's hard. And I love that you say it so confidently because 
what you, well, what I hear is do more, do more, do more, right? Not do less, not do, not even do enough that makes you happy. Do more because surely it'll make you happier, right? When sometimes no, I value time freedom so much. (laughs) Just like the space, you know, space to breathe. So I love that you say it so confidently, like, yeah, do a year. That's awesome. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. It's, it was just, it's so fun to be a part of it and just watch your journey along the way. Yeah. Y'all are just, y'all are awesome. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being here. Thanks for this amazing program and shout out to all the amazing women in it because we really couldn't have done it without the support and the cheering from the sidelines and the troubleshooting online and our local network, um, you know, that we've really become friends and we've met up and we cheer each other on. So thank you. I mean, just thank you because you really did put us on this path to financial independence. And it's something we've been working towards for a long time. And this has finally given us the freedom that we that we've been craving and the freedom that we we deserve. So thank you. Mm, yes you're welcome that's awesome i'm happy that's awesome thank y'all and thanks i'll see y'all in the group yeah Yeah. (laughs) bye Bye, you guys thank you amazing i loved connecting with y'all and hearing your story and thank you again for sharing it with us emily and Jean. all of the adversity the hurdles and the challenges at one point Jean was ready to just sell it and move on. But they stuck with it because they wanted to finish. They had to finish. Just so inspiring. If you, dear listener, want to learn how to confidently flip your first or next house following proven step-by-step processes repeatable in any kind of market anywhere across the U.S., with incredible support of our Flip Sisters family and community, you have the opportunity to do that now. Go to firstflipdoneright.com to get more information. All right, it's back to school for the kids. That means back to you, for you, right moms or caregivers or guardians. We get a little bit more me time starting this month. So invest in yourself and chase this dream you have, this curiosity you have, whatever it is, chase it. All right. Until next time, go out there, leave people in places better than you find them and make it a great day. Bye y'all.